I think I'll listen to this interview on the Urban Guru Cafe. Just who do you think you are? I'm not really sure. I've been living with some issues. We're just trying to get to the truth. This is a difference between truth and fiction. Fiction is to make sense. Welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone. This week we continue the interview with Rupert Spira. I can only speak from my own experience and I wouldn't like to presume that this is the case for anyone else, but in my experience, and I know it's true for others that I've spoken to, the traditional Advaita teaching was for most people packaged in an Indian form, Indian language. and. It came in the packaging of an Indian culture. So those of us that aren't Indian, the language itself, the packaging itself was somehow exotic and inaccessible. And that, for many people, certainly for myself, it kept the teaching inaccessible. It kept it at a distance. it becomes clear that there has never been anything in our experience other than the experience of consciousness knowing and being itself. But that consciousness, as it were, and this is not completely accurate, I'm just trying to find images and, and metaphors to describe this consciousness, it, as it were, takes the shape of a thought. And that thought says, I, consciousness, am not the substance of all things. I'm just the substance of one thing, this little body. And at that moment, the seamless totality of consciousness, of presence, seems to be divided into two things. Consciousness takes up residence, as it were, in the body, and everything that is not consciousness, that is, others, objects, take up residence in the world. So with this thought, the oneness or the seamless totality of presence, consciousness, seems to be divided into two things. A knowing subject, which is the body or inside the body, and a known object, other or world. Now, this thought, it's a tremendously powerful thought. It seems to veil the true nature of consciousness. It seems to locate consciousness. It seems to both limit consciousness and locate consciousness. Of course, it doesn't actually do that. This thought itself is simply an expression of consciousness, but it seems to veil consciousness. That's why in India, they don't speak about ignorance. They speak about the illusion of ignorance. Ignorance never truly happens. Consciousness is never truly veiled from itself because even in the thought that consciousness is limited and located and the world is outside and separate. 
even in that thought and the subsequent feeling, consciousness is still only experiencing itself, but it seems to be veiled. Its true nature seems to be veiled as a result of this thought. And what happens when this thought is veiled, the third aspect, if we could call it an aspect, the third quality, I said earlier on that consciousness is made out of knowing and being, loving or happiness is another inherent quality, if we can call it a quality, of consciousness. And when this thought, when consciousness takes the shape of a thought and seems as a result to divide itself into a knowing subject and a known object, the happiness or peace that is inherent in its nature seems to be lost or veiled as a result of this apparent division of experience into two things. And from that moment onwards, and I now consider myself to be a body, no longer unlimited presence, but a dense, located, physical body. From that moment onwards, I go out into the world in search of this lost happiness. And of course, we all know very well that sooner or later, that search fails. Nothing in the realm of objects, that is in the realm of the mind, the body or the world, truly delivers the happiness that we're in search of. And eventually, the search, it collapses. We turn around and we say, okay, but what about this one that is in search? It has never found what it wanted. Who is this one that is so unhappy, that is in search? That's the moment when we turn around. And that takes us back to the beginning of the conversation, where we look at this one. Okay, this one who is constantly in search, constantly unhappy, constantly dissatisfied, constantly looking for love in relationships, constantly looking for happiness in the realm of objects. Who is this one? Let me have a look at this one who rules my life. And as I said, when we look for this one, we don't find it. Ages ago when Bob used to say, look back and see if you can find this yes. I that you believe yourself to be. Yes. There'd be people who'd pipe up and say something like, well, who is this I that's going to look back and see? <laughs> Which is, of course, all mind bullshit. But, you know, really, ultimately, you didn't do anything, did you, Rupert? The whole thing, the separate entity, is a figment of our imagination. The separate entity is like the pink elephant that is sitting under your chair. There is no question 
of the separate entity doing anything. How could a non-existent entity do, search, find, believe? It's non-existent. It's not even true to say that it does nothing. A non-existent entity neither does something nor does it do nothing. It is non-existent. The whole thing is a play in consciousness, a play of consciousness, a play in consciousness. It is consciousness, and again, I say this is just an image, it's not accurate, but it's just a, a metaphor. It is as if consciousness itself dresses up as an apparent separate entity, and it is consciousness itself, in its own time, undresses. And so if someone comes to hear your podcast, for example, or they think they've made the decision that they're going to be listening to you for the next three weeks, playing your podcast again and again, there's nobody there that's making that decision. There's nobody there that's making that choice. Yes, the idea, like all ideas, irrespective of the particular characteristic of that idea, like all ideas, all thoughts, they just pop into our mind, or, or rather pop into consciousness. They just appear. Just like the bird that's just flown past his window. Nobody chose the appearance of that bird. It just appeared in presence, in consciousness. Exactly the same thing happens. The thought, oh, I think I'll listen to this interview on the Urban Guru Cafe. It appears in consciousness. Another thought, for instance, I think I'll go to the cinema. Or I think I'll make a cup of tea. Might have appeared in consciousness. But it didn't. At that particular moment, the thought I'd like to listen to an interview on the Urban Guru Cafe, appears in consciousness. Nobody chooses that thought. Nobody chooses anything as a person because the person is non-existent. The person, in the way that we've defined it, is, is a, a belief and feeling that consciousness is limited and, and located. So another way of saying this is that every thought, every sensation, every perception appears in consciousness and it's an expression of the freedom of consciousness. Every thought that appears, it appears out of the freedom of consciousness to take any shape, any form, at any time. Consciousness is absolute freedom. It can appear or not appear as it chooses. When I say as it chooses, I mean out of its own freedom. But no entity is present there orchestrating what is happening, what does appear and what doesn't appear. The, the separate entity is itself a thought that appears. Urban Guru Cafe is a free podcast on the subject of non-duality. Small donations can be made via the donation tab on the website. Replenish your supply of medicine. 
Thank you, Doctor. So what's Rupert now? The presence that is hearing these words, the consciousness that is hearing these words, just exactly the same as Areti is now also the consciousness that is hearing these words. And so there are not two consciousnesses hearing these words or a thousand consciousnesses. And this is not an extraordinary experience. We all, everybody knows the experience of love and friendship. Could it be that what we ordinarily consider as love is simply this deep intuition or recognition that what we are is the same consciousness. After all, if we were to ask anyone, if you were to stop anyone on the street and ask them, what is your experience of love? All of us would reply in our own way. Our descriptions or most of our descriptions would in some way involve a, a description of, of the dissolution of the feeling of separation. We feel that we melt in love, that we merge in love. When we talk about being in love or falling in love, it is an experience of our boundaries merging, uh, that, that we're bigger than we thought we were. We weren't the well-defined object. That we, all, all of our descriptions of love would be, in one way or another, would be this description of a deep sense of connection and oneness. Right there, in our ordinary, everyday experience, we all, even if we don't formulate it, or articulate it in the way that you and I are doing now, right there in our everyday experience of love, we're experiencing exactly what we're talking about now, that what we are, presence or consciousness, is not limited and located, it is shared. It's not an extraordinary experience that only one in a million people have. It's something that's very familiar. On the mind, of course, after we come out of this dissolution that we call love, the mind then immediately reinvents the separate entity and the other. And it says, I, this person, love you, that person. The mind appropriates the experience of love about which it knows absolutely nothing. And it creates two people, two entities out of it. But in the experience of love itself, we are one. That's what the word love means. Mm. That's what friendship is. And that's why if you ask anybody, again, if, if we were to stop anyone on, on the street and say, what is it that you most want in your life? Almost everyone would answer in terms either of love or happiness, which are exactly the same experience, yeah. the peace. It's this recognition that what we deeply want is the intimacy of our own being. And what's always inherently there. Always there, ever present, never disappears. It just sometimes seems to be veiled. As it seems to be veiled, we go out in search of it. But we search in the wrong place, that is, in the realm of objects or people or the world. We try to find love, for instance, through relationship with another person. We try to find happiness through acquiring an, a particular kind of object. Of course, we're always frustrated there. We never find what we want because love and happiness don't reside there. They, are, they shine. They are ever-present in ourself. They are, we could say, Happiness, for instance, is simply the knowing of our own being. That's what happiness is, the knowing of our own being. No object is required for that knowingness to be present. In fact, it is veiled 
when we project ourselves into the body and when we project the world outside the body, then this innate happiness seems as a result to be veiled. And likewise, love seems to be veiled by this projection of two things. say anything else Rupert anything else that you think might be really helpful for people to hear like you know those people who are in the angst of all this seeking and stuff you know feeling very agitated by the whole process have you got any words of wisdom to share with people like that I would encourage people if there is seeking present I would encourage people to follow their seeking wherever it takes them to follow because seeking is like a it can't be denied or suppressed so it's true in the end, seeking comes to an end. But in a way, it has to be given its freedom. And most of us seek to begin with in the world. And that then becomes frustrated. We then look in a more, sometimes in what seems to be a more spiritual direction. And yet the seeking is still very alive. But that process of exploring our experience, the seeking, it slowly unwinds. And some people, and I respect this, some people deny seeking right at the beginning and tend to say if seeking is present seek look trace what you're looking for trace it back to yourself because it's only when it finally we finally come to ourself that the seeking truly comes to an end not because we think it should not because we've been told that seeking is wrong or futile or hopeless it comes to an end truly as a result of understanding and I don't mean intellectual understanding, I mean it dies through ex the seeking, that is, it dissolves in this experiential understanding. So I would encourage people, if they're looking, to keep looking, to bring all their love and all their intelligence to their search. And as we do this, our search becomes more and more refined. And we don't find what we're looking for, we dissolve in what we're looking for. And Rupert, do you want to say something about your website and some of the meetings that you hold? Because I see that you're also doing some seminars in the States. Yes, I do meetings in the UK and in America also. The Non-Duality Conference is coming up. Next year particularly, I'll be doing a series of meetings and retreats in the States. I think I would just say anyone that's interested in this approach, yes, do go to the website, www rupertspire.com there's quite a lot there meditations conversations that are available for download similar to the conversation that we've just had plus some contemplative meditations more experiencing as we were saying earlier experiencing not just the belief in separation but more importantly the feeling of being located and separate and there's also meeting information now publications yes if anyone's interested please look there and also if anyone would like to get in contact I'm very available as a contact area on the site where people can email me and I regularly have conversations and email correspondence with people. Very happy to do that. For millions of years, mankind lived just like the animals. 
happen, which unleashed the power of our imagination. We weren't the talk. There's a silence surrounding me. I can't seem to think straight. to the Urban Guru Cafe. The Urban Guru Cafe is produced in Australia. All we need to do is make sure we keep talking. Do you want a cup of tea? Do you want the strong? Uh, yeah, strong is good. I'll make a proper pot. That's it.